So I think the question that came to mind due to the circumstances I experienced this week and meditating with the scriptures this week is how do you and I remain faithful, remain obedient to the Lord God when we experience a high degree of pain? How do we remain obedient to God when we're in pain? It's not an easy thing to think about. And a lot of us have varying degrees of pain, especially as we get older. Some of us have tremendous crosses that we bear. And our tendency in our times of stress and desolation is to run from God or to push God away, to push one another away, and to run from ourselves. Right? We live in an escapism society. Think of the opium epidemic that we have in our culture. We see them every time we take our food truck out to downtown Denver, the men and women on the streets escaping from the pain and the reality of the circumstances and the tragedies that people are in. And we as human beings don't really know how to cope with the reality of suffering, especially when God invites us into that suffering. And today, my heart uh, again ached for Abraham. I can't imagine, right, as a father, as a parent, right, the, the anguish, the, the, the anger, uh, the loss, the despair that comes from losing a child or from having something happen to your own family or child. And in this particular case, God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his child. All right, that sounds difficult to us to reconcile that, uh, that pain with God. Why would a good God ask us to do that? Right? Why would a good God ask us to suffer? And so we have to wrestle with that moral framework and that frustration. And I met a family uh, this week that is carrying a tremendous cross. The mother is suffering from brain cancer. And it had subsided, but now it's back. Two of their children are very, very uh, much struggling. One with a debilitating disease, another with mental illness. And the father just recently experienced financial distress providing for their family. And they're asking that question. Where are you, God? Why would you allow me to carry this tremendous pain and this tremendous suffering? And so what do we do? Where is God in those times of desolation? And so I want to help us today not to use our pain as a weapon, but to find an antidote for that human experience of suffering and pain and death, tragedy. And to me, the antidote is the cross. Right? This is where our Lenten pilgrimage is taking us to the mystery of the cross and the hope of the resurrection. And it's always been in God's heart to use the cross as an antidote to save his children. Right? And rather than blame God, we have to go back to the beginning of the garden where all of our tragedy started with our first parents. Adam and Eve disobeyed the one rule that God gave them. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as a consequence, right, of their uh, wanting to live in this world without God, 
sin, death, temptation, and evil entered into our existence. And so God never wanted our pain. God never wanted suffering. God never wanted our death. And from that moment his children fell, he set into motion a covenant to save his children. And Abraham is a part of that covenant. And there's a series of events in the Old Testament again and again and again and again, God looking for his lost children. And he uses the mystery of the cross to save us, right? There's prefigurements from Noah uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Moses, right, at the burning bush. Um, the law and the commandments all lead up to the time and the fulfillment of what God would save his children by sending us his only begotten son to save himself. God would not ask us to do something that he himself would not do. Right? And so when that parent is looking at a child that has a debilitating disease, God the Father knows that heartache. God the Father knows that pain. God the Father understands that suffering and it is alongside us in that mystery. This is what Paul is reminding us in the second reading. He says, brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? Meaning there's no pain that is bigger than God. There's no suffering that God himself won't experience with us and for us. If God the Father didn't spare his only son, Right? Will he not give us everything else to make sure that we're in his kingdom? Right? Christ Jesus died, rather was raised, and sits at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. And this is an important piece of the puzzle when it comes to the mystery of iniquity, sin, suffering, and death, and pain. Prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, in the flesh, which we celebrated at Christmas, Prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, what never existed in the Trinitarian Godhead is matter, material flesh, humanness. Right? And this is an important point because our humanness, our flesh which Jesus takes on, is sacred to him. Or in other words, our pain... Our suffering, our trials, our tribulation is sacred to God. Something totally different from our human ration, uh, rationale and our human reasoning. Remember, Peter said, God forbid, Lord, anything would happen to you. Right? You're not going to suffer. You're the Messiah. And what does Jesus rebuke him? Or how does Jesus rebuke him? He says, Peter, get behind me. Satan. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Right? And sometimes we have a human perspective when it comes to suffering. And I think the first reading of Abraham is written from Abraham's perspective and not a godly perspective of suffering. Right? So matter, flesh, pain, suffering has value. In our world, in our secular world, in our pagan world, pain has no value. In fact, most other worldly religions 
And I think if Hinduism or Buddhism has no value for pain, suffering. And this is important. Let's go to the gospel. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, his church, about the pain or the value of pain. He takes them up to the high mountain. Anytime God takes us up a high mountain, we need to pay attention. He's trying to teach us something that we need to learn. And he was transfigured, so he reveals to them his divinity, right? Pointing towards the resurrection, the antidote for human sin and suffering and pain. And then these two characters emerge on his right and left, Elijah and Moses, right? They already know about pain. They already know about suffering. But what do you think they were talking about? What do you think they were conversing about? The apostles were freaked out, right? Um, They hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified, the, the gospel says. So Peter speaks up, oh, let's stay here in the glory, right? Let's stay here where it's peaceful. Let's stay here with the Father. Let's stay here with the Spirit. We're good right here, Jesus. We don't need to do anything else. But I guarantee you, those three, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, were talking about the attack plan that they were going to do on Satan and his fallen kingdom. They were going to destroy sin and death and suffering and pain forever. Right? They were talking, I think it's in Luke's gospel, it says Jesus had his heart and his mind and his desire and his intention set on going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die out of love for you and for me. The apostles weren't there yet, right? They're like, no, 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 let's step here where it's nice and, and easy. And so with that intention in mind, right, it's hard for us sometimes to relate that God desires and values suffering. And Jesus is not a fool, right? He's not looking for death as a masochist, right? He slips out of the crowd when the Pharisees are persecuting him. Or he avoids suffering at the garden, right? If at all possible, Father, let this cup of suffering pass over me. But not my will, Lord, your will be done. Right? He uses his experience of suffering as an offering, as a sacrifice, as a means to transform this realm, this fallen realm. Okay? He teaches us how to use our pain for the good. And even with his friends, his best friends, Martha and Mary, right? I think Martha and Mary were resentful at him. When Lazarus died, right? If you would have been here, God, my brother wouldn't have died. For those of us who have lost loved ones, we feel that anguish. God, where were you? Why did you let this happen? And in John's uh, gospel, right, Jesus is in communion with the Father and walks to a different timeline than our earthly expectations that we sometimes project onto God. And the shortest line in the, in the gospel, when Jesus shows up, right, says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And so God understands our pain. He's not indifferent to our pain. It matters to him. 
but he has a totally different perspective when it comes to experiencing. And so go back to that question that I raised at the beginning. How do you and I remain obedient when that threshold of pain arises? It's not easy, right? When I heard that family's cry, how do we continue to follow Jesus when our cross is so heavy? Right? And my heart wept for them. And my perspective thus far in life, right, there's only one answer. We have to be in love with God, with Jesus. When we're in love with God, it's easy, in a sense, to suffer joyfully. But if we don't know God, if we don't know our Father, if we don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, suffering is going to be overwhelming. And the Catechism speaks about it in the section on prayer when it speaks about the Father in three ways. It says we have an incremental relationship with God the Father. One, we relate to God the Father as a slave. The second stage is we relate to God as a mercenary. A mercenary is somebody who is hired to work. And the highest degree is that we can relate to God as a son or as a daughter. And I think the Catechism outlays those three stages in the classical three stages in spiritual theology of the process of purification that we have to go through in this life, the spiritual development that we have to go through in this life. And pain is the uh, catalyst that cause us, causes us to ascend. Those three categories are the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive. Right? When we experience a high degree of pain and we're in that purgative stage of our prayer and our development, Everything is insecure around us, right? There's no sure footing. Everything seems foggy or gray or distant, including God's love. And we have no rationale for our uh, interpretation of what we're experiencing. And we resist talking to God when we're in that purgative stage. Right? And it seems desolate and dry and painful. Many of us are there when those uh, pain receptors go up. Right. Second stage is the illuminative. This is a little bit more advanced stage when we've had a conversion experience with God in our life. Maybe we've uh, gone through uh, some, uh, you know, coming back to the church moment or uh, maybe a birth of a first child moment and we've kind of faced our finitude and our creatureliness and our dependence on God and we sense that God is good. Right? Remember the prodigal son that goes and uh, spends his father's wealth on lavish living? He says, my father is good. Maybe I can be, come back to the father and be hired as one of his lowly servants. He's a mercenary. Right? But he doesn't trust the father yet. And when pain and suffering comes, right, we're still a little bit selfish. We have one foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual realm. But we ask ourselves a question, what am I going to get out of this, God? How am I going to get paid, God, for suffering for you? Right? And many of us are there, me included. Right? And then the highest stage of purification in the spiritual life is sonship. You and I relate to God the Father as a son. 
or as a daughter. And remember, go back to the second reading. God has everything in this universe, everything of his creation, except you and I and our suffering. Right? God wants to experience in God's self every corner of this universe. And when you and I are a son united to Jesus Christ, he lives in our flesh and experiences this part of his creation. It's a hard concept to think about. It's called reditus and exitus in the spiritual life. To think of the great saints in my tradition as a Franciscan, St. Francis, St. Padre Pio, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, they saw themselves so deeply as a son and as a daughter that they offered their sufferings, no matter in what form it came, out of love so Jesus can live through them and be a sign of hope and transformation for them in this life. And so that God can draw all things again back to himself. Now, my sisters and my brothers, I think that's the plan. That's the saving plan of God. But we need to know him. We need to love him. We need to be saved by him. So this Lent, no matter where our pain threshold is, no matter what we're suffering, let's renew our courage. Let's renew our commitment. Let's renew our uh, prayer lives and our desire to be with Jesus in the midst of that suffering and pain. And even if you're not suffering that deeply, bring somebody else to the Mass, right? Bring their sufferings, bring their intentions, bring their pain right here to the patent on the altar. And I promise you, you will see miracles. So my sisters and my brothers, let's walk together with Jesus who leads us to Calvary.